Welcome to ICA Podcast 9. The goal of ICA Podcast 9 is to provide insightful information about the industry to members and non-members of Intercoiffure America Canada, the voice for salon owners. Each week we'll bring business, educational and inspirational topics to aid anyone with ties to the beauty industry. We will have a revolving series of hosts pulling from industry leaders as hosts and guests to keep things lively and interesting and make you wonder what's coming next. Now, here's this week's edition of ICA Podcast 9. So thank you, Perry, for uh, joining us today on this podcast. I know we've got so much that we want to extract from you about uh, training new employees, recruiting new employees, and, and creating a culture within your your staff, and also new techniques that you have been talking about implementing in your salon. So, but first, I would like to let the listeners know who you are. So, you're a salon owner in Arizona, correct? Correct. Uh Phoenix, downtown. And you've been a member of Intercofure for how many years? Uh, It'll be uh, since, it'll be like 21 years next year. I think we were in and, uh, in 2000. Yeah. Yeah. Still and you know, really it's, it's incredibly fast. And I have to tell you, you know, when I was, uh, how I got here is that I worked for Kenneth Anders when I was about 20 years old. It was like 1980. And Kenneth would tell me oh about, the til- about the Tilliers. And uh, he had a salon here in Paradise Valley. And I just happened to know a friend who was going to go work there. And he goes, hey, come work with us. And I go, okay. I was only 20. I didn't really know that much. Um, And I worked for Ken for about five years. And he would talk about, you know, Inequafir, this. And and he would come in and train us twice a year. And uh, he would, you know, show images from the ateliers. And then he would come in and uh, he'd have uh, different collections, that type of thing. So that, that was all new to me. I'd only been out of school since maybe two years or so. So that's oh how, goodness. yeah, that's how I learned about integral fear. And then, you know, when I saw in the women's wear daily, I saw Ken was uh, going to be the president of integral fear. And I thought, Oh man, you know what? I gotta, I gotta join. I gotta help Ken out. He helped me so much. He mentored me. And then, you know, that's kind of how it all got rolling. And obviously, you know, we had Sal Cavano as uh a member here. We had, um, you know, get about salons members. So it, it was like, it was a time and then uh, it all came together. And then, you know, we, we talked about Lois about five years later after I uh, joined into Coiffure. And uh, that's the time that Lois obviously was, she was going to be president. Tony said, Hey, you know, I'm going to pick Perry to run uh, what was generation next then. And I'm sure probably Lois was like, who in the hell's Perry? You know what I mean? But uh, she, right. she didn't say, she didn't say, you know, the hell with Perry. She says, you know what? I'm going to have uh, Eric Knudsen and I'm going to have Jana and Frank mentor you until she really got to know me. And uh, I'm forever grateful to uh, Frank, Jana and, um, and, and um, Eric for uh, helping. Yeah. But that's how I ended up here. And, Wanting to be an Inequafir was because uh, I had worked for Ken when I was 20 years old. Not that great? I think one of the, the reasons that you're so good at mentoring is because you always sought out to be mentored. And I think 
that that is a learned skill. You know, when you reach out to someone and say, hey, tell me everything you know, I think you learn from that, and then you turn around and you give so much more than you probably have ever received back to someone new in the industry. So I would like to ask you a few questions. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, well, first let me say, I want to tell everybody that now you are the, the chair of the Nouveau, which is uh, a mentoring part of our uh, organization for the new people that come into the uh, the salons and work with it for five. They've been in the business five years or less. So as we're mentoring, mentoring them within our organ, our own organization, we have Intercore Fewer that we're able to bring them into and be able to introduce them to so many people that I consider the greats in the industry now. So I would like to ask you, do you think um, people can perfect their craft from watching videos alone, or do you think that it comes down to a point they have to be one-on-one at some point to to get that perfection? You know, Sheila, I, I think like when I work with my team, you know, you have to hear it, you have to write it down, and then you have to see it. So I think even though you're watching the video, because, you know, as, as artists, we are very much hands-on. But, you know, we, in the past, we didn't have the ability of vi- videos, uh, online streaming, that type of thing. So now I think what it does, I think it's enhanced it where we can, the young people, young talent can learn faster because you still have to hear it. You still have to do it and you have to see it done and watch it. And I think one of the strongest things, what, what like on online streaming has really helped is that, you know, I I always told people that it takes you about three years to start recognizing shape. And it takes you about five years to really know how to cut shape. So what I think is that, you know, online streaming, watching hands-on and listening has really helped to minimize, you know, that five-year timeline into getting you behind the the chair and being ready for it sooner. I think that the biggest challenge that, you know, with these young kids is the um, chair side manner. They still still don't know um, how to sometimes greet people. And we're asking them to provide this, you know, upscale service. And a lot of them have never had the opportunity to be in, go into a, a high-end restaurant or go into a high-end hotel and see really what the kind of service that Inequal Salons are, are really delivering. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, there's so much in our industry that is invisible. And I was talking to Stephen Moody the other day, and we were talking about mentorship. And, you know, this online education that you were talking mm-hmm. about where they can see the angles. And, and you can right. even tell someone how to raise their shoulders up. But, you know, mm-hmm. there are certain things that's invisible. It's like electricity. You know it's there, and the lights turn on. Right. But you really exactly. don't see it. And it's right. that tension on a haircut. It's the right. um, it's the the shape, the final shape of knowing then right. what yeah. to do. Elaborate yeah. on that because you're so so good at taking someone and talking about those unseen points to make them become a perfection in what they're doing. Well, I, I think one of the things, you know, we have about, we, you know, I think overall the industry teaches about nine haircutting techniques, right? And we have to always go back to 
um, you know, horizontal line, diagonal line, and the vertical line. And I, and I just don't think that, you know, when people are being taught, they don't really go into that. So that alone has so much, so many um, parameters that you have to think about. And nobody ever talks to us, you know, I, I know if, if you just spoke to Stephen, you know, one of the things that he's so hardcore about is about suitability. And I think that's, you know, the first thing that I work with a young team is like the suitability, the face shape. And, and a lot of times we get lost on that. But going back into those lines, you know, it was so uh, pleasing to see George um, the other day talking about hair color with a horizontal, diagonal, and a vertical line. And it's like, you know what, to me, it was like, oh, man, this is what people need to know more about. Because it's like, we're all really good, right? I should say a lot of hairdressers are really good at shooting from the hip. And what I mean by that is, you know what, they can cut that hair, they can color that hair. But when it comes to like, you know, we just hired a, a young junior stylist, you know, they might say in a salon, can you work with them and teach them what you're doing? And a lot of times they're at a loss for words. So one of the things when I have young people come into our salon as apprentices, you know, we have, obviously we have model light and right now we're not doing models, but we're working on mannequins. But prior, you know, they do the consultation and they do the, the we do a little seated massage, the shampooing with the products that we carry. Then we talk about the haircut. But when they're done with the haircut and the blow dry, um, they have to follow up with a little makeup touch up and then what we have them do is we have them do a presentation. And I think that brings the fear of God to them because usually they're with about five of their peers and they feel like they're you know, gonna be critiqued or they wanna do the best. And, it, and it's really that fear of speaking, getting away from that fear of speaking that really helps them to open up and to ask more questions. I think the biggest thing, like I tell these guys, you know what, it's, it's never the answer that gives you the aha, it's how you've developed like why, you know, so many, so many times it's the why, why, and we're only like maybe a fraction of an inch away. We're not ever like three or four inches away from the correct answer or the answer um, because we always see big things, but it's the little things where just like you spoke about a minute ago about tension, elevation, uh, over directing, you know, where am I really holding the hair and what's the outcome and utilizing, like I said, you know, in three years, you're barely going to start to see shape in five years is think, okay, right. I got it. Yes, exactly. So I, I think those are the biggest things when I work with the young talent also with an uh, in Equifier when we're doing the, the Atelier shows is, you know, I, I was terrified to do shampoo sets, right? So um, that was still in vogue when I was in cosmetology school, but now I say, God, you know what? We couldn't do some of those uh, hairdos if I didn't go back and learn how to how to create shape, or or see how shape balances the whole hairstyle, that type of thing. So I think we we always going back is to you know A B C. People like to run to X Y Z, but I think it always goes right. back to the to those three lines: the horizontal line, the diagonal line and vertical line, whether George talk, spoke about the other day about when you're coloring hair with those lines or where we're cutting right. hair and, and what are those lines doing? So that's what I always go back to. So if you could uh, compare the process of education over the last three decades, what would you say is the biggest change other than just technology? But um, 
like in, in the way you develop somebody from maybe 10 years ago to what are you, how are you going to present it? The same information today. Yeah. How do you make you it know, relevant? And, and that's exactly it. You know what? The, we're still cutting hair the way we did 10 years ago. I mean, the techniques, right? Like I said, one length graduated right. and vertical. But I think now, you know what? And my senior staff will say, oh man, Perry's so soft now. He lets them get away with so many things. But the learning curve of these young kids, it's so completely different. Where the, the team that I have that's worked for me, you know, 20 years, 15 years, or 10 years, they're like so disciplined. And, you know, they were attentive and it was like, okay, we got to learn or we're going to get our hands smacked like if you were in a Catholic school with a ruler or something like that. And now right. these kids, because they're exposed to so much, they think like, oh, I got this, you know, and they may have a tiny bit of it, but they really don't have the whole picture. So now I feel like I have to go back and, and you have to, God, almost hold their hand a little bit more. It's like, you know, don't be afraid to cross the line. Nothing's going to happen to you. But they're so apprehensive. It's like they're so afraid to make a mistake because I think they're afraid of being, A, you know, ridiculed. And not necessarily by their peers, but ridicule, ridiculed by themselves as to how they're so hard on themselves that they think that, you know, they need to be perfect and perfection and you know, like with filters on, on cameras and Instagram and that type of thing, that these kids are like, I think they're so petrified where the other, the other kids that I had when they were young assistants, they really weren't exposed to so much. So they were all about, okay, this is what I need to do. And then, you know, let's, let's bring on the creativity once I have the foundation. And these young people now, it's like, it's so hard to implement that foundation because they really want to run and they're, and they're truly not prepared to run right now because they're just, you know, they're seeing all this flash and, and you know, as well as I do, it's not about the flash. It's about, you know, when you learn how to do classic hair, I think you can finally say, okay, I'm ready to do, you know, whether it's editorial or, or avant-garde, whatever it is, but you have to have that foundation and the, and the young kids today, they really don't understand. They think it's a waste of time. And I think I spend more time going to foundation with them. And I spend a lot more time just talking to them and creating this narrative about how they're going to learn. Right. I think learning uh, is a learned skill. That's what it sounds it like. It's redundant. Right. But right. I really do think that there's a process. And I don't think our brains uh, today because of all the information that's out there, do we uh -huh. see the pattern of the journey? Like you go here right. and then you go there and you go here. It's like, I'll go there and then come back here. And yeah. it's like, there is no even flow of the dots. It's just jumping yeah. all over. So I, yeah. I agree with you. It is, it yeah. is a, it's a challenge to the educator to be able right. to bring them back to right. that journey. And again, I think you're, you and your team are so good at that. Uh, when you have when you get them together, uh, I want to ask you something though. Just because um, I'm, I always I always like to know how you think and what you look for in all these people and how you can bring out certain qualities that they never thought they had. And they've been listen. The the team or the people in the nouveau when they get to nouveau, 
contest and they're on that behind stage with you for the first time, I guarantee you, I know the salons they've come from. I know they've been mentored, but I don't think any of us that's had a new team member work with you has never come back and said, hey, I don't know how you extracted that out of them because I couldn't. And I mm-hmm. think that you just have that um, that that special, um, how can I say, electricity that they mm-hmm. plug into. So, and I want to come back to this question because I think it it would um, answer the question. I'm, mm-hmm. uh, the next question is um, when you're interviewing with people to come into your team, uh, mm-hmm. what do you look for when you somebody's coming out of school and and you look at them and uh, what what do you look for? How do you know that that's the one that you can work with? And do you ever turn any of them down and not take them? You know, I think the first thing, Sheila, that I, that I always look for is the things that your mom and dad taught us. You know, how to smile at people, how to greet people, how to say hello. Um, those, those are the things that we can't teach anymore that when people have a personality, when people are, are they walk in and, and they just smile and they just say hello. And uh, those, are, those are the main factors that really, when I see people come in into the salon, those are the things that excite me when I see them or when they start talking to you know, one of the team members and, and they really don't know who the team member is or if they are a team member. Uh, because I think that you know what, uh, through repetition, we can teach them how to cut hair. And, and like I always tell the young team, it's like we all run the race differently. We start the race all together, right? But I think, you know what, right. some of us, I've had assistants that in six months, they were ready to roll. You know, they had the color done, they had the hair cutting done. Obviously they needed to work on it, you know, more practice. But then I've had some other ones where, you know, I have, I've had team members that say, hey, Perry, She's just not getting it or he's not getting it. And I said, you know what? We all run the race differently. Let's, let's find out what else we need to do and sit down and talk to them and, and ask questions as to what we need to be able, how do we need be able to help them? And I think a lot of the times, once, they, once we get to that point, it's like when they start seeing the changes within themselves, because a lot of it is, is I think it's still fear. Um, and, you know, they come into the salon and like you mentioned, you know, I have a team that works on, on the hair show. So they come in and they see this hair being dazzled and danced and everything. And then they get intimidated and then they withdraw. Um, but I, I think their first and foremost thing is the client handling. I think that's the most important thing to me, um, the client handling, because then that's going to teach me so much. And, the clients, you know, the clients are the first ones to tell you, especially since I'm here every day, they say, oh, you know what, she's going to be good. Or, you know what, Perry, I don't think she's going to make it just because of the way they uh, interact with the clients. And I, I think that's the biggest thing. You know, isn't it amazing, though, that the clients can almost see that? And right. I know yeah. my clients, they know that I've got somebody in training. They help me train them. I mean, yeah. they work with them, but sometimes they'll say, right. you know what, you might as well go rid of her because she is yeah. in the lab. <laughs> yeah, you know what I had And this, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I had this um, lady that I've done for like 30 years, right? And I had this good-looking, tall, thin kid, dressed nice. And uh, 
he, you know, he happened to walk by and he, I can't remember what his name was. And he goes, Hey, Charlie, you better get a backbone with these girls because they're going to run you over, you know? And I think uh, they see that right away. And sometimes, you know, we think, okay, you know, they're going to be okay. And uh, she told me that and he, I, he probably lasted maybe two more weeks. So, yeah. So clients oh really God. do have some, that, have some insight. Yeah. Yeah. We still so, laugh about that. Like, you said something earlier about uh, some of the the young kids. I call them young kids, and that terrible. Oh yeah, yeah, tell, yeah. Now, yeah. now they're young kids to me, even though they might be yeah. twenty, right? Um, oh yeah, twenty two, so twenty three. <laughs> they come in and they really haven't had the experience of dining in a nice place or yeah, uh, yeah. experience of an upscale. Do you take them out on field trips like some we people do? do yes. Like some oh trips? yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. It, it works. You know, it does, yeah. You know, eye-opening. And, you know, when we always come back, they're so amazed that it's not the fancy things. It's like the little simple things. It's the greeting, the, uh, you know, they may ask him a particular question about, you know, if they've had a, a certain food or something like that, or how they elaborate about when they're talking about a specific um, a meal, and that specific meal could be the same thing as, as a specific uh, either treatment we're going to do onto the hair or a specific service that they learn like, wow, I got to get a little bit more detailed about when I'm talking about the hair color or the, or the you know, conditioning treatment, whatever it may be, instead of saying, oh, yeah, it's a conditioner or that type of thing. And I, and I think that's the, the biggest thing that they, the biggest aha. I remember uh, one time when we were all at the Scottsdale Princess with the hair color exchange, oh, yeah. and uh, and I, I, we were all sitting there at the bar saying, you know, isn't it amazing that when you would say, can you tell me where the restroom is? They'd say, oh, let me show you. Let me escort right. you yes. to the restroom. Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. You know, all of those things that we didn't <laughs> have to even, I mean, and I know we, we talked about this before. We went back, I did anyway, and I said, okay, y'all, this is what we're going to do. If any, you never tell anybody that comes into the salon as a guest where to go or where it is. You escort them or either get right, someone to yeah. escort them for yeah. you. And I think, yeah. um, you know, those are one of the things that you're talking about, right? Those are exactly it. You know, pointing to where the restroom is or pointing to this or pointing to that. Um, yeah, you know what, it, it's really, it's really all about the level of service that we provide all the time. It's like that experience for the minute they walk in, are, are we surpassing that experience? or Are we not surpassing that experience? And, and I think um, once they get the hang of it, you know, these some of these young people, you know what, they want to buy Louis Vuitton, and they're wearing Gucci and all that. And yet, you know what, I asked, well, did you notice how they were dressed? And they go, No, I just went in and you know, I said, you go into Prada, all those girls have their hair slicked back, you know, no, nobody wears their hair down. Uh, I said, you know, they don't want to interfere with the merchandise or anything. Uh, when you go into the restaurants, you know, they explain to you the appetizer. And I tell them that the number one thing for that level of service is to do one thing and one thing only, and that's to upsell them. And this is where they go. This is where they get the aha. It's like all that right. service, I said, it leads you to buy. I said, and that's what we want to do with everybody. How do we get them to buy? 
that, that's the bottom line. You know, they're coming in for one service. How do they get another service? And then how do we get into, um, how do we get them to purchase retail at the same time? So all of that education is geared towards retailing. And it's about retelling the story of what you're going to do to them, how they're going to look. And a lot of times people have a hard time with that. Yeah. And do you use your uh, younger team members, like maybe to do one thing, like just to enter, to integrate them into your clientele base? Uh, do you start them like shampooing first and then, or do you let them, maybe they know how to do a manicure or an eyelash dye and then, how do you integrate these new people into your client base and, and get to have them be able to feel secure, give, eventually turning those guests over to them when they go behind the chair? Yeah. Um, you know, the number one thing is that I, want, I cross train everybody, right? And now some of them, it doesn't mean that they're going to be good at doing manicure and pedicure. And some of them discover that, hey, I really like doing this. And so them discover that, you know, what they really truly like and what they don't. So those are the things that we ask right away, but we, we really work on getting them cross trained to do like manicures and pedicures right away. We don't really have them do much um, eyelash or, or brow waxing, that type of thing, but they do get people started. When the client comes into the salon to get their hair cut, we have massage chairs. So what we do is in, we use the, you know, we use Aveda products. So what we do is we get right. them to a three, three, three to five minute massage in the chair. And so what we do is we start dealing with the olfactory, that sense of smell. We have the, the oils that we use and we ask them, you know what, do you feel like being calm today or uplifted? And then we'll use a corresponding nutrient oil for them to inhale. And then we give them a little massage with that before we give them the shampoo. So this is where we, we, you know, we start seeing how they handle that. We go over the verbiage and then they shampoo and then we start learning they say well yeah i really do like to do manicure and then we start aligning them with one of the the team members that does manicures or pedicures we start teaching them then they start you know whether they work on each other or they work on you know a client that we know really well and is willing to get it done um, those are the, the things you know the cross training is part and i tell them all the time i said look the main thing is to get those clients to know who you are I said, everybody in the salon goes on vacation. Everybody, you know, is out, their child is sick or they're sick. I said, and you might've helped to blow dry their hair last time. So if Alma's out sick or her kid's sick and, you know, Mary Jane wants to come in, her husband just sprang on her, they're going to uh, uh, dinner with the boss. Then she'll say, well, you know what? Um, Arlene helped Alma with the blow dry last time. Is she available? So then all of a sudden Arlene thinks, oh, wow, she asked for me. So, you know, they, they get excited about that, but we have them working on, on, on everybody, applying color. Um, we don't really have them weaving yet, but we'll have them apply color. We'll have them put treatments on. We'll have them do some massages. We also do, you know, a, a little moment of wellness while they're sitting processing with color to introduce them into body care and that we have um, estheticians on board. So they'll do a, a, right. a hand treatment um, using the Veda oils and then they'll use... Uh, you know, with it's stress fix and they'll tell them, you know, it has two hybrids of lavender. It's clinically proven to relax you. So we work on that because you know what, you know, as I, as well as I do that retail is a huge component of our business. 
I would say retail is about 30% of our, our business overall. So man, I'm like, the minute those assistants come in, they have like a retail goal of $300. They may not know of Ada, they may not know about retailing, but from the onset, you know, I tell them, look, this is your goal and this is how we're gonna help you reach it. So that way they understand the value of, of retail sales and what it does for the salon and, and how it helps us and how it helps them to retain their clients. Well, I, I know one time you, you said that you told your uh, new team members <clears throat> that if they couldn't sell a product, they couldn't sell themselves. And right, exactly, I always yeah. loved that. You, said <clears throat> right, I, yeah. you watch them, how they learn about the product and, and then how they sell it. And that's very indicative of how they know who they are and how they're able to sell themselves. And I, I took that down as a nugget from you years ago, and I still <laughs> look at that right. and watch it because it is really right. true. Right, yeah. And you I know want, what I tell them? I, I, I tell them, go ahead. Go, no, go on. I, I was going to tell you, you know, I tell these guys all the time because we have an open chair policy, right? And it's like, let's get the client in today. We'll, we'll worry about tomorrow. We'll pre-book for tomorrow. Um, but let's get the client in today. And I, I tell these guys all the time, you know what, that um, there isn't any competition. You know, the competition is the person that they see in the mirror every morning that they get up. So it's like, how, you know, are you really compete with yourself or, or what are you willing to do today? And, you know, I got that from when I'd go into the Paul Mitchell schools. And that was one of the things that I got from Paul Mitchell. It says, you know, um, the only competition you have is the person in the mirror. So I, I tell them that all the time because, you know what, Sheila, there we have, you know, they talk about this law and that's law. I tell them, you know what, there's blue sky for everybody. You know, if you're taking right. care of your clients the way that you're supposed to, the greeting, you know, instead of being in the back room and somebody comes and says, hey, your client's here. When you know that you're three, you know, you're free and you know you're three o'clock, Mrs. Jones is coming in. Instead of you being up front, you know, kind of waiting for her and greeting her and say, oh, can I get you a beverage or something? These are all the factors that, that play such a, a big role in how the client sees what you do for them. Right. Uh, speaking of competition, though, you know, I know you're really big on uh, making sure that your, some of your new team members uh, engage in the competition of Nouveau. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I know that you and Anna uh, Bucito uh, collaborated mm -hmm. on this past Nouveau contest. Right, on the collection, the right, things, exactly. Yeah, and one of the things that came out of it was that uh, the competition is not to beat somebody, it's to beat yourself and make yourself better. So elaborate on that a little bit, because I thought that was a really good statement coming out of this past competition. Right, I, th I think the, uh, the thing about that is, you know, we're, we're always so afraid, you know, um, I've had tons of young kids that were petrified into the contest because they didn't, you know, well, what if I don't do that good? And I'm like, well, you know what? You learn something, right? And, and I think the biggest factor that I share with them is that, you know, think about what, you're, what you've learned and how you can apply it to yourself behind the chair when you're dealing with your client. And I think that the biggest thing, you know what? We, you know, competition... I think it, it's so great because you see what everybody else is doing, right? And then all of a sudden what happens is your eyes open and 
everybody's not really that far apart from what everybody else is doing, right? This person has a little different twist, a little different eye here, there, but you end up feeling, you know, more confident. And I think that's, that's the key when you do these type of things is your confidence level rises all the time. And you start thinking it's like those games, you know, um, I don't know. I think it's Fortnite or something like that. You know, all of a sudden you're in the 800 series, then you're in the 1000 series and then 1800 series and you just get better and better and you start learning different tricks. The most important thing is you start visualizing different things and you start visualizing yourself doing different things when it comes to haircutting or hair coloring that maybe six months ago you wouldn't really know or you wouldn't think that you'd be able to, to achieve that. And I think what happens there, um, you elevate yourself within the salon and then you start speaking differently to your clients and then you end up start selling more retail and then you end up start selling um, more hair color services because of what you experienced and you thought that, you know what, uh, being told no really wasn't such a bad thing. It got you closer to a yes. I tell these guys all the time, you know, it takes about, I think now I would imagine it takes about 10 to 12 no's before your client says yes. And so what I think they've right. learned from the, from the competition is that, uh, you know what, I learned something from this time. I didn't get to where I wanted, so I got to try a little bit harder. And so all of a sudden, they're like, they're soaring where they wanted to be from the very beginning. And I think at the same time, it, it teaches them, you know, that old saying, you know, make a plan and then work your plan. So many times, the young kids that we had that wanted to enter the contest, you know, they're scrambling for a model, an image, like the week before. And, you know, collections don't come up in a week like that. So, so it's really no, they interesting. Don't. Yeah, it, it's really, truly interesting so, like that. You are so busy motivating and uh, inspiring everybody else. What do you do to keep yourself motivated? And uh, then the other thing is give me the top four people that's really inspired you? Um, you know, I, I think the, the thing that I do is um, I like to see, you know, like we always say, you know, you look to the past for the future. It's just like um, when I was a kid, you know, and, and you think you're all cool. And I was wearing Pierre Cardin cologne back then. And I was wearing, uh, <laughs> I don't even know what the what the one cologne was, and my dad would make fun of me all the time because he, you know, thought I was all cool. Um, but just, you know, I think about Pierre Cardin, and you know, he has a new uh, documentary about him, and the his the new designer that's taken over for him. Um, I look for things like that, you know, because you know he was doing some space age stuff back in the sixties, right? Right. And you, you, you think about these things and you go, what, what were these guys thinking about? And, and what, what, what were all these people, you know, going back into? So I always go back and I look at, you know, what these old designers were doing, um, how they, you know, how they influenced what they were doing at the time and how people looked at them. Um, and I, and I always search for something like that, you know, to go and, and find just like, um, you know, when we did the show in Memphis, you know, that was, that was such an easy thing to me. I go, man, we're going to Memphis. We're going to teach people about Italian style, Memphis style, right? Right. The colors and, and it, it was, 
those kind of things, I always try to see what's going to work together from the past to the future. So when we did Memphis, it was all about Memphis. Everybody knows Memphis. They just don't happen to know that it's Memphis design. You know, they look at it as those, those bright colors and da, da, da. But yet, you know, some of those kids that uh, were in the contest, they did some they did some stuff that was just incredible. And I think I spoke about that, you know, they use a protractor spraying on the hair right. these colors and, and they did so many different things. It was like, geez, you know, how did you even think about that? Well, you know, it's right there, you know, in the images and, and uh, how we influenced. And, and I look at people like, um, um, you know, Michael Graves, you know, I think about when he did the Washington Monument you know, he was so well known as an architect like that. And then, you know, the thing that people commented about Michael Graves the most during that Washington uh, Monument um, reconstruction was the scaffolding. He did this like incredible scaffolding surrounded the Washington Monument. So I, I those are the things that inspire me. It's like the the things that you think, oh man, you know what? You can't, really, it's a scaffold. What are you gonna do? And then yet he did this, beautiful scaffolding um yeah and just like you know this this special that with pierre cardin I, I think it's out now i can't wait to see it you know when he speaks about his inspirations that type of thing because then you know what what will happen is that'll take us into you know an inspiration for a, a fall atelier presentation that we'll do something like that um and what was the other question they so, asked ba me? so basically <laughs> what motivates you when you see a piece of art or a building or a designer, you really like going back and finding out their journey of getting right, to yes. that. So uh -huh. you're really a, a historian of the journey rather than right. the end uh -huh. result, right? I love that. Right, exactly. I love that. right. So uh, tell me who. Oh, the inspiration, uh -huh. the three people. Uh, you know, I think, um, yeah. God, I, I don't, you I know, know, the one so person. Many. But, yeah, no, but you know what? The the one person who inspired me the most um, is my grandfather. You know, um, he was he was from Mexico and he was a laborer, and he never drove. But we would drive around downtown Phoenix or Sun City, this retirement place, and he would tell me how he built this and he built that. And you see these sidewalks. I hate help lay these sidewalks, um, but he was you know he always talked about. Um, the things that he did and how he helped and, and how he would, um, I remember, you know, it doesn't rain a lot in Arizona, but since he worked outside, I remember if it was a cloudy day uh, or if it was a wet day, you know, he'd go outside and look at the sky and, and he would pray. And I, I was probably like maybe five years old or so. I would walk outside and I go, you know, like, Appa, you know, what are you, what are you, what are you looking at? He's just standing looking up. And then he would tell me, you know, I, I just, I'm praying that it doesn't rain so I can go to work tomorrow. So I, I think, I think that was the, the number one thing about, you know, being, going to work and believing in what you're doing, all those factors. And then I think, um, yeah. you know, I, I look at all the, um, the, the great artists and, you know, so many times of how, people were ridiculed because of how they dressed or what they believed or what they drew. And yet, you know, posthumously, then all of a sudden they're famous and their art's worth millions of dollars. So I, you know, I always look at the, the different painters, you know, where it's Renoir, uh, people like that and, you know, how they were poor and 
they they were stuck in in you know they, what they thought was a rut um but until years later you know with the different movements in art and and so i always look at you know the artists and and what they endured during that time uh, and i think um you know there's not one specific artist because i think all those artists during that heyday they all kind of you know they were like they colonized and they were all doing the same kind of thing and being exp uh, inspired by each other and i think that's what like inequal does you know one of the things that my young talent or the people that are on my team to do the shows they like you know they could faint right there when you, when there's a steven moody in the room or there's a, a sam in there or you have um uh you know the one time we had vidal sassoon there they just you know they're nicholas french they're just pinching themselves like oh my god you know what we're in the same room they're like you know two two stalls next to us you know i can't believe right. this i'm gonna go look more of his work um so those are the things that are really cool and i think that's what inner have brings so so many times that that if you really you know get yourself involved and and you come and and you see really what's happening with it and i think those, those reminds me of those colonies with the artists you know sharing ideas and you know i i look at old pictures of uh, man when i look at old pictures of rocco and i can't even remember who else was in those photos with him i mean they're just tearing up that hair and i think oh my god i can't the model yeah. just lived yeah you know just you remember those days you know i just I think know. those things I know. yeah those, yeah i think man that's crazy what they were doing at the time and you know there wasn't anybody really, you know, doing anything. I don't know. They, they, they just, you know, they were in the forefront of all these things. So I think about those things. And then, I, pardon me? I was just going to say, I do agree that Intercorpture is really the bridge. It has been for me and for so many other people that bridges the, the past great with the future great. And, you know, it just meshes it all together in the present. And, that's that's the beauty of belonging to an organization that right. yeah. encouraged to remember the past and look to the future. Right. Yeah. And I think that's one of the strongest things. And I think now too is the, you know, the way that the the sponsorship of Inequifier has changed. I I think it has been so dynamic because there there's so many people that are stepping up to the plate that. You know, like I tell these guys, you know, one door closes and the other door opens, and there's you That's know right. through through consolidation of of all these uh, of these large companies, you know, and being bought out, and uh, you know the the whole pond, you know, has gotten smaller and smaller, but yet I see these small companies, they have these people that are just they have so much education and that they want to share, uh, it's just mind boggling. And now, you know what, they're having their, their limelight where they can come into Intercorfear and it doesn't have to be, you know, a $500,000 check or something like that. But yet, there's something there for, you know, a handful of people that are going to say, you know what, that's exactly what I needed for my company right now. I'm going to go talk to this vendor right now. Right. And I think those, I I think those, those are the things that have really changed from, you know, you know, 10 years ago in Inequifier, that now there's so much more opportunity for everybody. And, and, you know, you know, and I have people tell me, well, you know, I don't know, 
I'm really not getting anything out of Iniquil Fear. And I think, well, I don't think you're really willing to share your, your stuff in order to see what you're going to get out of it. You know, it's, it's not very once it's not one-sided it's you know you, you have to really share it's like you know you train or you educate yourself and then you spew it out then you retrain and you re-educate yourself like you spoke in in the very beginning about that it's it's this is what it's all about it's always you always have to give back it's it's, it's so interesting of giving back to all these do people you remember, and then, do you remember yosh toya Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. You know, the one thing that I always remember him saying is we are like vessels of education. And mm -hmm. if you don't pour some out and share it, you won't have room to have somebody else fill your vessel up because it is an right, in yep. and an out. So you, the only way yep. you can take anything else in is if you give something out. And that's exactly what you're saying. And, uh, that's why you're so wonderful is that you give so much in it and you're so willing to take from and be shared with from the other people. Mm -hmm. And I, I respect that about you. And that, I think that's one Thank of the you. reasons you're so successful with the, the new younger team members and also for chairing the Nouveau group for Intercorfures because you're, you're that example, you're that inspiration that, they are to learn and then to turn around and share. Well, Perry, I I cannot thank you enough for joining this podcast oh, and for being a part of Coiffure and being, being one of the leaders. And uh, I look we'll forward see you to in a couple of weeks. October the fourth and fifth. Yes. Yes, I will be there the, uh, for the gathering. So thank okay. you and uh, Alrighty. give everybody on your team a hug, and we will I be sure will. Uh, talking soon. Bye-bye. All righty. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for the ICA Podcast 9 podcast. Be sure to tune in next week for more industry insight and information. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast too and share it with your friends in the industry. Our only goal is to bring people together and share information with those that need it. Intercoiffure America Canada is proud to be the voice for salon owners. For more information about us, visit intercoiffure.com. That's intercoiffure.com.